Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel TV episodes as they are released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Welcome to Night Fever, our official Moon Knight After Show podcast. I'm Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief of the Boardwalk Times. And I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist at the Boardwalk Times. Gio, it's just me and you today. And, you know, we're here to discuss Moon Knight Episode 4. But before we get into all of that, another major piece of Marvel news came out this week. And I'm just dying to know your thoughts because I have some on this too. The Thor Love and Thunder teaser, it finally arrived. Rate your hype level for it. Tell me your thoughts. I'm just so excited to hear what you have to say. I'm not going to lie. Going into this teaser, I was not too crazy excited because people have been asking for it for the past like three or four months and I was like eh whatever the movie will be good it'll come out when it comes out so the teaser drops out of nowhere no one knew it was going to come out just randomly drops and I was like I'll watch it oh my god my hype level went from like a solid seven to like a nine or a ten even I that to me already looks like the best Thor movie like I'm already convinced this is going to be the best Thor movie based off the one and a half minute teaser alone and the two teaser posters with Jane's Mighty Thor and uh, old school, the one and only Thor with Chris Hemsworth. So I'm, I'm loving it. I'm really excited. Me too. I thought that trailer, I think my anticipation for Thor Love and Thunder was around that eight territory and now it's like way higher. You know, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy that are going to be in this, and that's awesome. I mean, you just have you have the introduction of Jane Foster. You just have so many things going on, and that teaser didn't really reveal too much. Like I said in an article for Boardwalk Times that I felt like we just saw, you know, maybe just the beginning of the film. And that's all you need. I think you're absolutely right. The trailer feels like it's setting up Act 1. It's setting up this... Uh, new arc for Thor where he feels like he doesn't have to be a hero anymore and then the mantle could pass over to Jane but if anyone knows the comics they know that it's not that simple and there's more drama there which I'm kind of surprised I think Chris Hemsworth or it was Taika Waititi uh, described it on their Instagram post when the trailer came out they said you're gonna laugh you're gonna cry you're gonna cry some more because you're laughing so hard so it sounds like it's gonna be a pretty dramatic entry the Thor franchise like I said I think it's gonna be the best one visually I was blown away by this trailer I don't know if you've seen the the literally direct from comic book panels that they've taken and brought to live action I was like wow like this just looks amazing it's also the first MCU film to use the volume which was made popular by the Mandalorian and also used in the Batman so I mean I think Thor Love and Thunder is using volume then we have Ant-Man in the Wasp, Quantumania, they're using the volume. I think Guardians is using the volume as well. Like, I feel like a lot of these upcoming films are using the volume. So it's going to be crazy. It's going to upgrade fantasy to a next level. I mean, already in the Batman, they literally created a version of Gotham that cannot physically exist, but it looked so real because it was done for real with the volume. And it's like, they went from doing otherworldly planets with Mandalorian to this. So it's like, Now they're doing it with Thor and definitely with Guardians, they got to do it. So it's going to bring sci-fi fantasy to like a whole new level. And we're seeing that. So yeah, my hype went way up for for the new Thor movie. I'm not going to lie. I am beyond excited for that. And we haven't even seen the new Doctor Strange yet. So, 
And and we have Moon Knight, which I I think we can get into that. This fourth episode yeah. completely changed my perspective on the whole show. So that's what I wanted to know right off the bat here is um Moon Knight episode four. What were your initial takeaways? This is by far, I think, the best episode, at least in my opinion. I was kind of okay on the first three. Like, I was expecting a more grounded approach, but I knew they weren't going to go for that. So that wasn't, like, something that was hampering my excitement or anything. It was more like they were good, but it wasn't anything crazy. Like, I didn't feel the same weight that I did with Falcon and Winter Soldier. But the difference is those are returning characters, and this is a new character. So it's kind of hard to, like, throw you into this new story and have you completely sympathize with the new character, especially since it's a series very quickly. And I think by this fourth episode, I was finally like, okay, this is what I've wanted from this series. This is what they were talking about, especially the, the mummy stuff. Like, I'm just going to call it what it is. It felt like the mummy, but, but in Marvel and, and way grosser too. Like, it's like, ew. <laughs> well, the mummy is also pretty violent, but this was like, they showed a guy getting his, his uh, organs ripped out. Like, yeah, I was so, like all the blood on that table. I instantly said, is this allowed? Like, I remember saying that aloud. Is this allowed? This is what Kevin Feige was referring to with the blood in this series. Because this is like next level. I mean, last episode, you had him break a guy's wrist and another guy's leg. But it wasn't like too crazy. But this is like, What? And then you have uh, Layla rip off a mummy's arm straight up and you see his bones sticking out. I was like, Ugh. So, yeah, and it gets really cerebral too. So, To me, I felt like at first, like this first half of the episode, it felt like it was almost like, oh, it's Disney Plus just testing the waters for an Indiana Jones series. And I get Moon Knight, you know, they want it to do an Indiana Jones type series. But like at first I was just like, ah, it seems like this is like they're, you know testing the waters for indiana jones like doing a live action disney plus series and they're just using it like with marvel as the cover-up you know so i found that funny and then i really do think it started to pick up in the back half of the episode and like i was similar to you where i felt like the first three it's like you can leave them or take them like i enjoyed them but there wasn't really this urge to be like oh my i cannot wait to see what happens next oh what if this happens what if you know how how is this going to connect to that like there wasn't really any of that for me in the first three episodes until this fourth episode really just flips everything on its head and you're like wow by the end of it yeah that's exactly how i felt and you're right about the indiana jones comparison i just think it's closer to the mummy because of the egypt thing although for sure yeah, it's either or at this point. Although I would like to see an Indiana Jones something. Because the thing that sucks about Indiana Jones as a franchise is that it's led by Harrison Ford, but he's old and it's like trying to reboot it or like cast someone else yeah. who's wrong. Because I like that Disney so far has kept like a consistent canon with all their stuff. Like even Marvel, it's based on comic books and comic books change canon. They don't even have canon in comic books. They just change things consistently. So having the MCU be this, this going on this long and able to do all these different things and they never jeopardize what's come before. So with that being said, yeah, the, the second half definitely is like where things start getting loopy. Uh, I for sure don't think any of that is real and that he's experiencing the <laughs> between afterlife. I forgot what it's called. Um, I know about the field of reeds and the duat. 
in, in Egyptian mythology, but um, he's in like in between life and death at the moment. And people think the water he fell into is the healing water of the god Taurid, which you feed at the end of the episode. And so who knows? I mean, hippo. she's trying to help them, clearly. The hippo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're going to dive into that more later. And I just want to be clear. Um, you were correct with the mummy comparison. I was just saying Indiana Jones testing the water for Indiana Jones just simply because last time I checked, I think, you know, Disney obviously owns Indiana Jones. I don't think they own the mummy. So, I mean, I think, you know, Indiana Jones, Disney Plus, it might just like, you know, that's what I was easy, thinking. Yeah, easy connection. You're right. So, now that I think about it, there was so much going on at the beginning that literally was ripped straight out of like the last crusade. It, it just reminded me straight up. I was like, oh yeah, they got the canyon of the ha ha ha, the canyon of the crescent moon. I don't know if you remember that, but that's from the last <laughs> crusade. So that's obviously not referenced here. It's like, that's just last crusade thing. But I guess we should talk about Steven because he's making some moves this episode Mark's physically threatening him, but it's like, what, are you going to kill yourself to hurt him? Or like, you punch yourself? Which he does punch himself. So. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to dive into that because he was like, I'm going to hurt you. And I'm like, how? I, I was just kind of like, you know, and that was like probably why I was struggling with this first half of the episode. It was like, you know, Stephen kisses Layla and Mark's like, you, you kissed her. And it's like, okay, but like, you're all in the same body right now. Like, this is just such a weird, you know... It's a weird situation. It's like physically it's one body, but mentally there's so much going on that they're like, hey, you can't do that. And then he punches himself. And and then you have this, <laughs> the funniest part of the episode to me. But, well, no, the real funny part was when Hippo Lady showed up. That was hilarious. But <laughs> yeah, before that, it was the part where Steven dips out and lets Mark in when Layla's about to confront them about something. Because he's like, I don't want to deal with this drama. It's like, oh, I'm willing to like kiss you and stuff, but I don't, I'm not willing to, to go there. So he lets Mark deal with that. That was hilarious. I was like, this dude didn't even say a word. He just switched out yeah. instantly. Because he didn't want to change earlier. He's like, no, I'm not going back. You know, I'm, I'm in control of the body now. I don't want to really, you know, release control to Mark. And yeah, I thought that was really cool how that all, went down and they've been very creative with the mirrors the reflections i've said this and i think every moon night review so far is just how the camera works when communicating the steven and mark dynamic has been really well done i was gonna say yeah with with all that weird stuff in this episode uh, it's it's also especially by the end because we see two oscar isaacs so i'm uh, i'm wondering how they pulled that off because usually in scenes like that you have two actors, um, and then obviously that's how you have the main character playing off of himself. Uh, although in this case, he hasn't straight up hug himself, and then the camera pulls away, and there's like a hidden cut, and then you see the two of them, but they have to, they kind of unembrace. So it's like, wait, what? Like you have to do some sort of CGI trickery to get any of that accomplished, uh, at least in modern times that's how they do it so that stuff's gonna be nutty next episode especially considering there might be a third no there, there has to there is a third yeah there is a third i think they hinted at that pretty well in episode three yeah. that there is a third 
and it's probably going to be Jake Lockley. Uh, yep, and he's probably going to be a complete psychopath from judging by what they're going off of. It seems like they're going off of uh, one of the runs of Moon Knight comics that kind of implies that everything is in his head. Um, and in that run, they make Jake a complete psycho. So that seems like what they're going for, considering all the death and destruction. I think that's going to be the biggest twist of the series. I do too. I think that could be the big twist. But speaking of big twists, let's pretend for a moment. What if Jake Lockley wasn't that person trying to bust out of the sarcophagus? Do you have any like screwball wild prediction of like someone else being in that sarcophagus trying to get out? Like whether it's a bad guy or a, a future hero set up in the supernatural MCU side, like do you have any sort of like wild card prediction like if they pulled the twist where it wasn't jake lockley in the sarcophagus i honestly can't say because he was the only thing i came up with as soon as i saw it i was like oh that's jake right but yeah, i think yeah most of us did yeah yeah exactly like we're all on the same page but but if we're going like off kilter i'm trying to think like who who would probably one of the gods that's who i would say maybe even some version of conchu that exists in their head still that's that's Ooh. who i would think that could yeah. be interesting. Yeah, because they're they may be separate from him, at least they believe he is, in terms of like the whole god avatar thing, because they don't have their powers anymore. They don't have Moon Knight, but maybe like there's some of him left mentally there. Cause I mean they were already messed up. It's literally two guys, or at least, well, we think three, and they're all fighting each other for this body, and they have this fourth, like little voice in their head telling them to do stuff. So it's crazy, yeah, yeah, that would make you go crazy. I mean, yeah, and I guess the the other point I wanted to get to um, is we need to talk about Layla uh, May. I don't want to pronounce her name wrong. It's spelled like Kalamawi or Kalamai. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly correct. The last name because it almost feels like you're reading Kalamari wrong. But she was amazing in this episode. I think Ethan Hawke has been amazing the whole time. I mean, it's Ethan Hawke. And the scene he has with her, where they're separated by, like, this giant ravine, I thought that was great. Because you see in her face, like, she's completely destroyed. Meant, like, she can't take the emotional stress of, or stress of believing that Mark is responsible for her father's death. Which, of course, he says he isn't. And I highly doubt he is. But his partner is the one who did all of that. And, um, yeah, yeah, that the performances from all three of these main characters so far has been just stellar. Like Oscar Isaac doing all these different personalities in one is crazy. And it's, it's gotten really fun. And Ethan Hawke is kind of like this Wilson Fisk-esque, uh, very manipulative villain. And um, Layla is like dealing with her husband's DID. Also like trying to like remember her father. I thought that all that stuff was great. So but yeah, there's more to that story, isn't there? Because there is a reference to a character that we haven't seen yet that is a Moon Knight villain who, um, who is the guy who massacres all the people at the archaeological dig. It's Bushman. He has not really? been... Yeah, his, his nickname hasn't been said, but that would be... I'm pretty sure they, they call him by his real name. Uh, the guy who... Mark's partner that ends up betraying everyone at the archaeological dig. So... I'd be interested to see if they ever cast anyone for that role, if they make him like a future Moon Knight villain. But yeah, there's nothing yet. And another 
famous Moon Knight character referenced all the way back in episode one when he was scrolling through uh, the missed calls on his phone was um, uh, his nickname is Frenchy, but I don't know. I don't remember the exact name. So yeah, there's still some Moon Knight characters left that we haven't seen, but I highly doubt we're going to see them. Maybe teased, but I don't think we have enough time in these last two episodes. I don't think so either, but speaking of Layla and Layla's father, Abdullah, he was killed by the mercenary that was along with Mark. And I'm at, I'm reiterating the question again. I, I've asked this before on the pod, but it's like, who, who do we think hired Mark in this mercenary to go kill archaeologists for just like no reason? Like to me, I'm like narrowing down my list to either being like Sharon Carter or like the Ten Rings organization even though I wouldn't know their true motives, I still think there's like some connections there. But then again, this question that I'm asking, this may just become my new who bought Avengers Tower question or like who picked up the pieces of the rubble from Avengers Compound after the endgame battle question where it's like I just keep asking it because I want to know the answer, but they have like no intent on answering it. What if it was Harrow? What if he's the one who hired them, especially since he's the ex-Moon Knight? That could be a twist, considering how much, like, not resentment for Khonshu he has, but, like, weird, like, aggressive respect. Because he tells him in the last episode, like, without you, I wouldn't be who I am today. So, clearly, because they were getting close to the tomb of Ahmed, but he wants it. So, oh, man, this is really weird. But that would kind of explain why he knows so much about Layla and Mark. Because he keeps telling them, oh, I read uh, Mark's scales. Like, that's why I know so much about him. But it could just be a lie. He could have just known about them because he's responsible. Since he seems to be a rich guy, or at least he holds some sort of power. So maybe he's responsible. I don't know if that's true at all, but that's the only thing I can come up with. It's actually a good theory. I mean, it's very plausible. I mean, it's more plausible than Sharon Carter and the Ten Rings. But, like, I was coming up with that just because, you know, maybe there is this, like, criminal underworld within the MC, Like, you know, the shadow, like, the different shadow organizations and, like, the different power players. That's what I was thinking. Like, maybe Mark Spector was caught up in that world. And, you know, this is what could have led to that. Another thing I wanted to point out to you actually was that Alexander the Great was Amit's human avatar. And I find that a bit wild. And to me, it's it's just crazy because it seems like the MCU is continuing to bro- blend in real world history where it's like you had Eternals and now this and Moon Knight within the universe. And I think maybe that's what makes all these series and shows special it's because it is really like the world outside your window. But on another hand, it's like, wow, this is kind of crazy that they're like, you know, connecting the dots to, you know, history so heavily because it makes you really like puts your mind in a blender a bit. Yeah. Can I just say that I freaked out when they said Alexander the Great? I was like, whoa, I don't know why I did not expect that, especially when they're talking about Macedonians. And I was like, wait, what? And then, then he said his name, and I was like, huh? Like, that's who that is? That's cool. And the I was scene where so, he sticks his hand. I was, on so, I was so on edge during this episode because before this episode dropped, I kept on seeing on social media, watch Moon Knight right away, or you're going to get spoiled on social media. And 
yes, that like, you know, I didn't get spoiled, but I could see why they said that. But at first I thought it was for a completely different reason. I didn't think it was because of the twist ending. I really did think it was going to be something greater MCU related that like, Hey, you're not, you, you, you're not going to want to have this moment spoiled. And so anytime they were going up to like the tombs and stuff, I was just assuming we were about to get like a Rama Tut reference because Rama Tut was one of the variants of Kang, the King of the Conqueror who we've seen in Loki and we're going to see an Ant-Man in the Wasp Quantumania. He's basically going to be Marvel Studios next Thanos. So I was expecting some level of Easter egg or hidden detail that like, oh, this is Rama Tut's tomb or something. Just something where you're like, oh, wow, okay. You know, because I thought they were going to do that because of all the internet hype the day before, I was like, okay, then it has to be something related to the greater MCU. Ended up being the twist ending, which I didn't see coming at all. So even better in a way. But, you know, I just had to get all that out. Oh, yeah. Rama Tut is something I didn't even know about till after the episode. I literally, if you look up Rama Tut on Google, King the Conqueror comes up. So some people were saying they think it still is and that Alexander the Great is Kang, which would be a huge twist, right? So we don't know that, obviously. But yeah, it'd be a pretty big, like, ooh, he's always been there. (laughs) So that's cool. I like that they're even doing that. I'm like that you brought that up because Thanos, his threat was that a lot of the outer space stuff happening in MCU was because of Thanos. And the Infinity Stones were leading up to Thanos no matter what. So with Kang, now that they've kind of figured out how to do a big universe like this i think they're going to start laying the seats for kang a lot earlier i mean we literally got an entire episode of him in loki and the time multiverse shattered the actual multiverse seems to be intact probably until dr strange with all the crazy stuff that's going to go on there and i guess one thing i think we should discuss because it is really uh, present in this episode is the supernatural side of the mcu because we've been getting a tease but I feel like this is the first time we're like seeing it up front because we're definitely getting that Werewolf by Night special in Halloween and Blade was teased in Eternals, which it feels like Blade is going to be like the leader of the supernatural heroes, which I think is perfect. And Moon Knight is an interesting choice because Moon Knight always seemed to me more of like one of the grounded heroes. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like street level, like Daredevil. But it seems like Marvel's going with an angle somewhere in between definitely leaning more towards the superpowers and supernatural less towards like gadgets and batman-ish stuff so be interesting to see if they actually do the midnight suns which for those who don't know is the kind of group of supernatural marvel heroes teaming up i'm excited for midnight suns i think what has my curiosities will it be set up in moon knight like do we see blade show up in the final episode or in the post credit scene because I do think some of the Disney Plus series have lacked like those big, you know, post credit oh, yeah. scenes that go like because like Loki's post credit scene wasn't really anything of much. Hawkeye was, you know, Rogers in the musical, which was fun, but didn't really like set the seeds for anything. You know, so you know, WandaVision I think was the best by far because Absolutely. Of it's both post credits the mid credit and post credit were like both like setting stuff up for the future 
and also even like the falcon and winter soldier it was the sharon carter thing which was like okay but like wasn't like as exciting as i think if moon knight can really ace the landing if blade shows up or you know something else happens now that you mentioned it even spider-man's post-credit scenes were a bit whatever i mean seeing the doctor strange trailer in theaters before anyone else pretty cool but the other one with Venom felt like Sony backtracking on a previous decision. Now that I know more about the production troubles they're having with Morbius, I feel like that explains why the Venom post credit scene was so disappointing. It's like, yeah, cool, there's Venom in the MCU, but like that was probably bound to happen anyway. So doing it as like a troll multiverse joke doesn't really fit. And I don't know, it just seems wrong, you know what I mean? So for sure. So I feel like hopefully this series ends on something like that. But it does feel weird. It's like, like I said, going into the series, I really did think they were going to go Daredevil-ish with Moon Knight. And that's definitely not what they're doing whatsoever. So it'd be interesting that, to see Moon Knight become a bigger character than you'd expect. Like, I, I put him on the level of Daredevil, yet it seems like they're trying to make him, like, next to characters like Captain America and Iron Man and stuff, but for the supernatural side of heroes you know what i mean so the avengers themselves are still going to be the avengers with all the like big name characters when you have these smaller groups with like weirder characters so pretty interesting and the way they're handling it with the twist ending like you're saying it's kind of nuts totally and i think you you made all good points there and spider-man you jogged my memory about spider-man it's like yeah it was cool seeing multiverse of madness the teaser and theaters but then after the fact you just kind of realize you didn't really get a post-credit scene and then that teaser was online like a couple days later so you're just kind of like oh okay so we didn't really we didn't really cover any new ground in the venom thing you know the whole like we're gonna just place some in the universe you know because i guess his symbiote must have knew spider-man's identity at one point and we're going to, you know, drop, you know, the symbiote, and then we're going to send him right back to the Venomverse. And then we're able to use that muddying um, multiverse logic for our own films. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. And it wasn't really, I think maybe they knew that the ending of No Way Home would feel similar to Endgame, where it was like really heavy, you know, it's such a heavy ending. And I know some people, when you have these heavy ending films, they don't want a post credit or they don't want another, oh, well, here's the next bad guy or here's the next, you know, big thing. But I do think for the level of film No Way Home was, I do think we could have gotten a better mid credits and post credit scene. I think, you know, it wasn't too much to ask for something that would have gotten people even more excited for the future, but they might not know what the future is. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's why they went with the ending they did. So they just put Venom there as a piece of the puzzle, like, ooh, Venom's going to come in uh, as like a a little mini tease. And that's like the only thing we got, because otherwise the ending itself, it ends with showing this newly reformed version of uh, MCU Peter Parker uh, going out and doing Spider-Man stuff. So it teases a future of more of the old school Spider-Man. But in terms of like, seeing where the story's going to go next, we don't actually know. And the Venom thing just kind of feels random. Especially, I think what makes it worse is the fact that it's set in Mexico. So we, we know that the symbiote is going to have to travel a long way to get to New York. So it's not going to be like some instant story. It feels like 
they just set that up for years down the line. It's like you said, I don't think they have anything specific planned and they're just going to wing it, which that's fine. I'm excited to see whatever they do on that front. Whereas the rest of the MCU uh, so far has felt so well planned that like not having in credit scene teases is kind of strange. I guess it's interesting because we haven't had uh, uh, movies this year besides well no way home came out at the end of last year all we've had so far are tv shows so we haven't seen what like thor doctor strange like what are they gonna do are they also gonna do the spider-man thing and have teaser trailers doesn't feel like they, hope not. they are yeah no probably not. not but not for doctor strange i would hope and not yeah, for thor, oh yeah definitely hope. not yeah because we just got that thor teaser although people are okay actually earlier when you asked about the sarcophagus i this is not someone who's going to be in the sarcophagus, but it is a theory and a thread that we could tug on that people have been discussing. Do you think Gore, the God Butcher, is going to show up? And that could be the end credits. It, or they could have Blade and Gore, the God Butcher. Like, do you think he, he's going to be teased at all? I think he might be teased in a very subtle way. I think if they do a mid credit scene, not the end credit scene, because I think if I'm if I was fantasy booking the MCU, end credit scene would be Blade showing up and being like Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, or whatever he's going by, like, hey, I, I've seen you around. I'm assembling a team. You know, like, you know, one of those classic end credit scenes where you're like, oh boy. But the mid credit scene, the theory would be basically that you would have a newscast or not not even a newscast really, but some way of like just two people talking. I mean, like, you know, maybe it's like the avatars of the gods and they're like, we're getting picked off one by one or something, you know, just something that like you don't even see Gore. So it's like, you're not even worrying about the visual effects, but it's like something like almost like a throwaway line. That's not a throwaway line. And you're like, Oh my we're all getting picked off one by one. Maybe we need Conchu right now or something. And that's how they release Conchu or something. Or like, you know, they, they start to freak out because it's like, there is this guy named Gorn. He's coming after us. You know, he just hit up Zeus and all, all this other stuff, you know, all these other guys, you know, Gore the God Butcher could be really interesting. And I do think there has to be some kind of connection here. There just has to be. And Gore also connects with Spider-Man in a weird way because the symbiote stuff. So, I mean, Gore has, there's, Gore could really be more than a one-off villain in a weird way. I know a lot of people think he's going to be this one-off villain, but it's like, I feel like he has a lot of connections to the symbiote, to Noel, the symbiote king. You have the gods factor within the MCU. I think there could be something really interesting there, but how I would do it, mid credit scene the gods are panicking because they're getting picked off one by one that's probably the most simple way of saying it absolutely i think that's perfect you're you're absolutely on the money that way you also don't have to have christian bale come and do another show because they filmed the majority of thor in australia and with moon knight i think i don't most of it was filmed in uh in europe if i'm not mistaken I don't know if they actually went to Egypt. Uh, I can't remember if they mentioned that. But I think they went somewhere. I, think, I don't know if they actually went to Egypt, but I felt like they went to somewhere in the South America continent. Or um, That sounds about right. They, they can easily, with movie magic, like fake their location. My geography is not <laughs> great because I know 
I was watching something and you know how they have like Moonlight mm-hmm. Sutton London, but I think they shot it in like Hungary or something or oh wow I don't, I don't know for sure though i'm trying to think. i know i know they yeah. didn't film in london that's that's absolutely true they did not film in london they filmed somewhere else um and they said it took some work to make it look and feel like london but they i think they got it to work uh with this other stuff though it's like man i mean first of all getting christian bale as a villain like what in marvel of all things uh I mean, we already got Kate Blanchett in the last Thor movie, and but she's like, she's a Disney alum. She she plays great villains, like duh. She just she was like an easy choice, and they made Hella pretty funny. But Christian Bale, like, they cannot do him dirty like they did um, the Doctor dirty in Thor: The Dark World, because that elf dude was not it. So, I. <laughs> I am really hoping they absolutely nail gore and just having a tease like this would be pretty great. I mean, already the trailer for uh, Love and Thunder is making gore seem like a massive threat. So, And we're going to see that play out in Thor Love and Thunder. Obviously, we're going to see him do some crazy stuff because he's going to lure Thor out of retirement in a way. Thor is going to be you know, Thor is going to be like, you know, instead of having, using his hands for peace, he's going to decide I have to fight Gore and that's going to be wild. So one thing we can talk about with this show that at least the vibe I got, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, 12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Time, yeah. yeah. You, you know how he goes to like a psychiatric like hospital or like an asylum and yeah. he's trying to tell them he's from the future and they don't believe him. In this case, I thought they were going to go for that, but it seems like uh, Stephen and Mark are keenly aware that this is completely wrong. I mean, they even literally physically meet each other and things are going to go down in the next episode. Yes, so I'm glad you brought up the twist. It's about time we talk about the biggest and most important part of this episode, in my opinion. It's the twist. Were you also very confused after Mark floats all the way down in the water all of a sudden we're catapulted into this new direction and we're watching this vhs tape film and i'm like are we in wandavision again because it just felt so jarring i just immediately thought of wandavision because it was just such a parody or like in loki when they would cut to like the animated cartoons of the tva and you're like what you know that's how i felt and then the biggest reveal happens is when the explorer in this VHS tape film goes, says his name, Dr. Stephen Grant. And you're like, oh no, what just happened? And then pan out, we're in this medical facility. There's callbacks, there's characters. We've already seen it all. And this might not be a popular take, Giovanni, but I'm just sitting back in my chair watching this all unfold. And I'm like, God, I hope we just didn't get faked out this whole time. And was it just all in his head? Because I remember Feige was very big during D23. He's like, you know, it's about this mercenary and his relationship with the moon god. And But is it all in his head? And I thought, oh, no way. They lulled us to sleep. Maybe it's all in his head. Yeah, I I immediately knew that, the, okay, actually, before I talk about the twist, one thing I wanted to mention that was really funny. When we were watching uh, his body float upwards, we immediately made like ascension jokes, like, uh, cause I was watching it with a friend of mine and he goes, 
me listening to the Batman soundtrack. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> you listening to the Batman soundtrack on opening day. But anyways, beyond that, I, I immediately knew something was wrong. And I was like, wait a minute. This is how they're going to explain Stephen Grant, aren't they? So I knew he was going to say that was his name. Because the British accent and the explorer angle and the whole Egyptology thing. Except obviously they're, it seems like they're in South America is what it's implied, even though it's like a cheesy adventure serial parody. And so I got that, but I didn't know it was going to pull out. I, I didn't expect any of that. Like, I was like, like, is someone watching this or is this like supposed to be in his head or, and they're like, oh, it's a movie he watches. It, that part was crazy because I honestly thought when he said i'm dr stephen grant i thought that's when it was going to cut to the credits and i was like whoa so i'm oh that would be nuts yeah so i'm glad they i'm glad they stuck with it and we got a couple more minutes you know arthur harrow is now mark's psychiatrist in this vision or whatever this is but they took this from a moon knight run because there is a Moon Knight comic run where it is just set in a mental institution and Mark wasn't in a good mind. And it's basically a, it's a really interesting comic from all things I've like read about it. It's like, it just takes the whole Moon Knight lore and flips it on his head and it reimagines it of, well, you know, this Moon Knight story is pretty nuts. What if it was all in his head and like all of the personalities and stuff? What if they were all just all came from him just not being well yeah and it seems like based on the imagery because there's like egyptian there's like urns and there's all these statues in there too we even see the amet's crocodile is the last thing uh stephen mark sorry mark sees before he's getting dragged away by the the doctors i 100 percent think that this is in his head that the psych the psychiatric ward is totally in his head and and it's basing everything he sees off of his actual reality so that and i i wonder this is what I, the real thing that i'm curious about is arthur harrow actually there or is he imagining him because arthur harrow does clearly have some sort of powers and he can manipulate people beyond just like you know telling them things they want to hear i think maybe he's there for real Maybe he's trolling Mark, but it could just be another figment of his imagination. I mean, it's it's still up in the air, but to me, it seems like that's going to be the end twist is that, oh, yeah, no, the psychiatric thing is just him between life and death, just completely imagining this, this place, and then he gets pulled out and saved by uh, the hippo guy. <laughs> so that does make me wonder, though, because we talked about Jake earlier. People have pointed out that in the posters for this series, uh, specifically the one behind me that no one's going to be able to see, but I have a poster of Mr. Knight. And next to him is uh, Moon Knight, the warrior outfit. And then on his uh, left side is just Mark and Steven wearing like generic robes, except, or like his hoodie, except he looks very angry. Like, could that be Jake? Could Jake just not have a Moon Knight suit and just be like a complete. Yeah psycho like is that just him like i don't know but i definitely think that they're not going to pull the rug out from undress and say that the whole series is fake i feel like that would be kind of random and it wouldn't end the series on a good note because we still have all these other characters left in the dust you know like it wouldn't make sense like layla is also in the psychiatric ward and it's like 
what the only way it would um make sense if they did go with a bonkers like hey none of this was real type ending is if in the final moments we got the real moon knight or like i don't know how that would like even how you would pull it off but like if it became a thing where it's like well this is the story but you know a twist this is where he's actually is in the mcu i don't think they're gonna do that i hope not but we do have to talk about how this episode ends you know steven and mark they run into the hippo who's an egyptian goddess named tarot and you know they scream it cuts to the credits and you know all i was thinking at that point was i'm like i have no clue how they are going to even wrap up this series because what is there to wrap up at this point? Because we don't know what is real and what isn't. Obviously, there's some Arthur Harrow stuff. You have the Amit. You have all this stuff. But, like, you know, looking at this series from a very critical lens, you're kind of like, okay, so what? what's going to be the point now? Like, what's the point in these final two episodes? If I was to guess, I'm going to bet to you that the next episode is going to be them escaping the psychiatric ward and going back into reality and he's gonna emerge from the Nile or something and run back to go save Khonshu because they're gonna realize that they do need Khonshu to defeat Harrow like Mark is gonna convince Steven that they need to live with the Moon Knight suit uh I think that's what's gonna happen and they're gonna have to come to terms with Jake and then the finale is gonna be them versus uh, Harrow trying to get Amit. I think that's exactly what they're, where they're going if they don't do what we're worried about. But I feel like that'd be the wrong move. You know what I mean? It, there's really no way they go about setting up all this supernatural stuff only to say it's fake when they're already trying to set up Blade and all this other stuff. So I think that's kind of where I'm leaning towards them going. That makes a lot of sense. I, I actually agree with your direction for the next two episodes, but I was I coming into this episode, I was kind of getting burnt out on the whole Amit. Um, we got to find Amit. Um, we got to, you know, because it was starting to just kind of be like, okay, well, find her already. You're like, find, find the God already. I was going to say, you're right. I think, you know, yeah. what would have made it better if it was like Indiana Jones and there was more than one clue. Right now, the only clue is the scarab. And then they go and or whenever they make the star map, that's like their way of finding uh, the exact the tomb, location. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But up until now, we've had none of the Indiana Jones-esque things that they kind of promised. Like in Indiana Jones, there's more than one step to finding the treasure. And there's there's like traps and stuff. In this, it's like, oh, we found this magic scarab thing, compass, and that's it. And then the rest of it is in this like uh, random cave and there's nothing more to it. I think that's why it hasn't been that interesting, uh, at least in my opinion. So when you were talking about that, uh, I think that's exactly what's been going on. Yeah, I have a very love-hate relationship with this series because I was like, okay, you know, because like the first half of this episode four, I was just kind of like, okay. Like there was just nothing, there's not that like, mcu drawing power for me maybe it's just because it's a new character introduction and maybe that's something i need to be prepared for for miss marvel and she hulk is that you know sometimes these new character introductions when they come in the form of a series might not be as smooth as the returning characters getting their own series and you already feel a sense of their world in all that 
but yeah i just had this love-hate relationship with it where i was like by the end of this episode i was like yeah it's good but it's like i'm not feeling you know maybe i'm just not feeling it as much where it's like you know it has all the makings of, to be something that I really enjoy, but I'm just kind of like passively enjoying it really. It's just like, the, it's not one of those things where like, I've always used this example. If I got spoiled, how sad would I be? And I don't think, you know, next week I'm not on the pod, but I don't think I'd be sad if I got spoiled for episode five, you know, and that's to me kind of an interesting point because I don't think I felt that with a MC mcu series before oh yeah absolutely and i'm totally there with you until this episode this is the one that kind of flipped the switch for me and i was like okay this feels like the story they've been wanting to tell and everything else was just set up to get here and that's why i feel like there wasn't much intrigue in the last few episodes because they they this is the point they wanted to get to and it took them three episodes to get there so it does feel like okay like did we really need all this other stuff? Like, could this have been a two-hour movie instead? You know what I mean? So getting to this point is what they wanted. I'm glad they got there. So we'll see how these last three episodes play out. But I'm with you. I do feel like it was losing me. I would watch it passively the first three. I wasn't actively like, all right, yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, my God, I can't believe the hook. Um, even Hawkeye had more of a hook, and that series wasn't, too crazy or anything i i felt more more invested in that one uh, as well and that one also introduced k bishop and i thought she was pretty funny so maybe that's the difference this is a darker character and it's just more like intriguing that he's weird than and then than he is like actually as a person at the moment at least it's probably going to be way cooler by the end of the series but it feels like it's taking a harder longer time for you to buy into this idea of moon knight than say Shang-Chi which like I said that movie is it's a movie so it's you get your two hours 15 minutes three acts but you instantly kind of buy into him because he's a cool guy and you're like oh yeah I would totally want to know more about this kid um so yeah I'm totally with you so we'll have to see where this goes and I think that's why Moon Knight as a film never happened was because I think it would have been a tough sell at the box office of doing a character with DID in doing a character that you know is so complex where you need the six hours to really flesh them out and tell the story I I think the other um maybe it's a minor um tidbit I have issue with is that we just haven't really seen him you know we've seen it a little bit but not be Moon Knight or Mr. Knight as much you know oh yeah we've seen it a little bit but it's like you know, obviously he hasn't had too many people to fight, but, you know, it's like, that's the interesting part because at the end of the day, we are in the MCU. We are in the world of heroes. So you do kind of want to see the hero be a hero sometimes, and maybe we'll get that satisfying episode six, similar to what happened in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where we finally get Captain America. Maybe that will be the episode where Moon Knight really, really shines through. And I think you're absolutely on the money. That seems to be what they're going to do because i don't know if you remember the rumors years ago there were rumors that they were going to turn moon knight into one of the netflix shows and that's why i was saying i'm kind of surprised that they're taking him in this direction instead of the more grounded direction the netflix shows probably would have taken him in because i don't see this version of moon knight going around new york beating up criminals uh and doing crazy stuff like definitely not mr knight stephen grant as mr knight is not the mr knight 
from the comic books whatsoever. So I don't see that. Even in London, if they decide to set him there instead of, or Egypt even, instead of uh, New York, I don't see this version of Moon Knight being like that. I definitely see him more as like a big time superhero type thing. They did the same thing as Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is a character that had a really hard time uh, adapting to the modern comics. So they've made him work for uh, MI6, I'm pretty sure, and be like a spy and stuff because he has all this martial arts knowledge, whereas now he has the 10 rings, so he has superpowers. So it's like, and they're doing the same thing with Miss Marvel in a way. So it feels weird that they're kind of like overpowering some of these characters. But like you said, we'll, we'll really have to see how they unleash Moonlight which will probably happen in the sixth episode. I would have been interested to see the scripts for the Moon Knight Netflix series because there was a couple other Netflix series that just never happened that were from the Marvel Universe. And obviously Moon Knight probably never got the go-ahead to happen probably because Feige probably wanted him. And by the time they wanted to develop Moon Knight, he was probably more in control by that point where you know he was able you know daredevil and a couple of these other characters kind of slipped by you know slipped under you know him but i would love to see a netflix moon knight script and i would love to hear you know other you know never produced marvel projects for that netflix universe because that always fascinates me i've always been fascinated of the subsection marvel universes like the fox um you know if disney never bought fox how they would have continued that universe or you know even sony's very um you know critically panned spider-verse right now and how they're trying to make that into something but you know give them credit for trying but you know i've just always been curious because it's like you had so many different marvel universes throughout the years yeah i'm like totally there with you i'm also curious because i don't think people remember but the end of logan from the fox universe was setting up like the new x-men like like these younger X-Men, which is like, whoa. And then they were probably going to have more rated R stuff, which I highly doubt Disney's going to even go for besides Deadpool. Deadpool seems to be like the one exception at the moment. But I don't think we're going to get another rated R Wolverine. Although I think they can get away with more on TV, which is why Moon Knight is so bloody. Like, I think TV rules are different because this is TV-14, not PG-13. And TV-14 is way more violent. Like, that new Halo TV show that's on, it's really brutal. And I'm like, I thought it was TVMA. And come to find out, it's TV-14. I was like, what? So I think Uh Daredevil is in completely safe hands. um, And all these other violent characters, I don't think they need to go for it. Like, some people want that, like, edge. And I'm like, eh, is that really necessary? Like, this is like, yeah, cool blood, but it's still the superheroes, like, so we'll see but but yeah it's interesting to think about all these universes that died uh on the way here i'm definitely glad they got rid of whatever fox was doing with the fantastic four and sony can keep doing their whatever as long as they don't touch the spider-verse movies it's just like uh speaking of spider-verse so sad they delayed them that was like the worst news um but yeah i'm actually fine that they delayed it a year because i think they were going if they would have came out this year it would have been a crowded uh box office potentially it would have been a crowded box office and also you know lord and miller now avoid some of the pixar films coming out true. this year so they don't 
when the Oscars come around and if like Turning Red beat Spider-Verse, there would have been an uproar online that, you know, Disney always wins. So kicking the can down the road to 2023, where we have no clue what Disney's putting out for animation, you know, there might be better chances for awards. There might be better chances at the box office. So that's the one thought on Spider-Verse. And then before we move on, the Fox universe, another scrapped film from that universe that I've been wanting i wish we could get the script for it just to read online just to see how they were going to even pull it off is that after marvel studios released captain america and civil war fox was working on their version of a civil war movie and it was going to be x-men versus fantastic four and i think that would have been a crazy script to read because you know there wasn't really a fantastic four team at the time and you know the x-men were in between eras too so that's something I might have to research more and find the script and find all that stuff. But that one has always kept me like, okay, it would have been insane, you know, because like that's really using what characters you've been given, you know, fantastic four versus X-Men. Dude, that just set off my, like, you're absolutely right. How would they even have pulled that off? Especially with the fantastic four they were going for, which is kind of a disaster. And I actually kind of wasn't too crazy mad about the original two I liked them as a kid but I don't really find myself wanting to rewatch them ever the reboot one was really bad though from what I've seen I don't even want to force myself to watch that so I wonder where they would have gone with that do you think they would have done the uh, younger version of the X-Men characters I mean totally because that's kind of what they were doing already uh but yeah I don't know because I don't know if they're going to set it in modern day or not because I know the X-Men had like a confusing timeline. It might have been a full set reboot of that universe. That would make sense because it, it doesn't make sense to have James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender playing these characters in the 90s and looking like themselves still and nowhere near Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen because they did not look like them at all. And those movies are set in the early 2000s, the other X-Men movies. So it's like, it's really confusing. And another thing that we haven't even discussed, uh, people are comparing this series to Legion, which is another X-Men show that's really weird. And I wonder if they're ever going to do anything close to that. Uh, It feels like they might. If I was Disney right now, I'd want an X-Men series set in Xavier's school for gifted students. I think that would be the smartest thing to do because Umbrella Academy is doing that and is written by Jeremy Slater, yeah. who's the head writer on Moon Knight. So uh, I think yeah, you're on to some. Be the smart choice. So yeah, this these universes, man, it's crazy right now. Xavier's Academy being like a through the years type. I think the only problem though with the MCU is you can't do a yearly series because of oh, the timeline. Oh, no. yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. Unless they change some things around, you can't do that yearly universe. I think that's what stopped them. And I think, you know, even with Spider-Man, it's like Spider-Man's so far ahead of everyone now with No Way Home and what happened, where it's like, we're all still reeling from Endgame in a way. It's like, we still want to see what happened to Thor post Endgame or, you know, like Hawkeye. Like we finally start to see some of those, but like Spider-Man, he's already on to the multiverse, you know, like all that stuff. So that's like another thing to consider too. 
And it's crazy to think Doctor Strange was supposed to come out before all of this originally, and they had to rewrite it and No Way Home so they could work together, which is how the MCU works. And you're absolutely right. That's why these yearly series don't really work because the MCU is constantly changing pieces around to fit schedules and whatnot. Since No Way Home is a special one because it's a co-Sony production. So that's probably why they were like, Sony was adamant about their release date, which is very ironic saying that now considering the release date of everything else they have on their slate. But yeah, pretty, pretty weird. Um, I honestly can't wait to see more connections. Uh, we obviously got a Madripoor reference in the last episode, yeah. but just more X-Men stuff in general is gonna, I think that's gonna bring a lot of people to the theater, to Disney Plus or whatever, because X-Men is a lot bigger of a franchise than the recent movies made it seem. Totally. I think X-Men, whenever they decide to reboot it, it will be a film. I don't think they should do the Disney Plus series because I think there is some box office drawing power. Oh, absolutely. And I think by the time they finally get around to doing an X-Men film, it will be be years probably by that point where people are going to be interested in seeing those characters again, especially in the MCU setting. So much to Spider-Man Homecoming. And also we're going to have to see how they do Fantastic Four. So, I mean, Things are looking up, though, for all that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's like, it's hard to believe. The last episode of this series is going to air right before Doctor Strange. So it's all coming to an end very quickly. Blows my mind. Yeah, that will be May 4th will be the series finale for Moon Knight. And then May 5th, I know I'll be seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And then shortly after that, we will be recording a special film recap edition of boardwalk times multiverse of marvel for dr strange in the multiverse of madness try to say that three times fast so you'll get you'll get confused but before we end this episode of night fever you know we've talked about moon Knight. we've talked about a couple different things too and i think that's because moon Knight isn't like a show of theorizing and i think it lends us to talk about a couple other things within the marvel universe but i want to end this episode talking about moon knight but not in the way you think i want to talk about marvel in the parks moon knight in avengers campus have you seen any of this stuff yet because it blows my mind how well the integration has been that moon knight is now a walk around character at avengers campus and mr knight even walks around avengers campus as well i think that's amazing it feels like Some people have pointed out that it feels like old school Disneyland where you have the characters walking around and it makes it way more immersive. Uh, This kind of like what they promised with the Star Wars with Galaxy's Edge, which don't get me wrong, love Galaxy's Edge, Uh, but this feels more fulfilling of the promise like, oh, there's going to be like characters walking around and like aliens, Uh, whereas in this case, it's heroes and villains even, right? I think they had Agatha at one point. So... Yep, during Halloween, they had Agatha for a short exactly. time. And who knows who they're going to roll out on May 6th for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I think they're going to roll out the Scarlet Witch. I think they're going to yep. roll out America Chavez as well. Maybe even Wong. I mean, I did a whole article on predictions of when, you know, because now we know they're, they're hitting these release, release dates quite hard. And that's what made me so sad is I was in Avengers Campus for the premiere day of What If, and they didn't do The Watcher, or they didn't do Captain Carter. And I was like, why, why, why didn't you do The Watcher on the Tower of Terror? That would have been such an awesome moment. You're absolutely right, man. That's, that is a missed opportunity, which is ironic, because like you said, they're on the money. They're on top of it. 
literally Mr. Knight was introduced in the second episode of this series. And immediately they're like, here he is. One week after Moon Knight showed up and started swishing his cape around at the park, here's Mr. Knight going around saying, hello, everybody. My name's Steven with the V and like <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, it's pretty awesome. Avengers Campus in general is really awesome because it is like old school Disney of characters walking around. Just recently, a video that went viral from Avengers Campus is Ant-Man is walking around now with a display model, a miniature version of A Bug's Land. And Disney Parks fans would know the reason why that's so cool and ironic, not just because Ant-Man is a you know ant and a bug, you know, that's ironic too. But the reason why it's so ironic and cool is that Avengers Campus replaced a bug's land. So, I mean, it is a very cool, you know, Easter egg, hidden detail, tie-in. The Walt Disney Imagineers, they just figured it out, and everyone has been enjoying that. And so I feel like Avengers Campus has been taken with such a great level of care that, you know, it's just wild seeing, you know, we got Moon Knight already, and the future is going to just get better as more and more of these things release. Like, Miss Marvel should be June 8th. She should be an Avengers campus. You know, there's so many Thor Love and Thunder. I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen the mighty Thor, Valkyrie, you know, better better a bill. Who who knows? But I have another question for you through, you know, talking about Moon Knight in the parks. If Moon Knight like had a larger scale attraction, which for all intents and purposes of this conversation, I don't think, you know, the character is popular enough yet, but it's always fun to like imagineer something or like dream up something. If Moon Knight had like a larger scale attraction, how would you do it? How would you do it? How would you do a Moon Knight attraction? Moon Knight attraction, I'd probably go with, oh man, it's probably because I'm just biased because these are a lot of the rides I've enjoyed at theme, theme parks, like the actual theme parks that take full advantage, like Universal and disney yeah. i would like one of those immersive ones uh like for example the harry potter uh i think it's gringotts yes there's another one 100 percent i would love that for yeah. moon knight love that I, for moon knight i think that would work i think my other joke is that if epcot ever decides to do an egypt pavilion we now know what ip is gonna get thrown in there yep it would be moon knight and I don't know if universal studios because universal studios actually has the rights to the marvel characters in florida I don't know if they actually have the rights to Moon Knight because I don't think he's ever shown in Superhero Island or referenced at all. So I don't know. Maybe he can show up in Upcount one day. You know, we could have a park where we have Guardians of the Galaxy with Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rerun, and then we could have Moon Knight, you know, escape from the Pyramid of Giza or some, you know, whatever. I could totally buy that. Yeah, I see that ride through the night with moon night night fever with moon night oh my god just like call it your first yeah me and iris talked about it last week we're still upset we haven't um found a royalty free version of night fever by the bgs to use on this podcast uh so if you're listening out there and you know a royalty free version of night fever please send it along to us we will thank you like we will will thank you so much if you can pull that off for us but giovanni this has been a great podcast do you have any ending thoughts for us you know any crazy moon night hot takes predictions theories or just any general like this is our platform to shout out our takes you know this is our marvel podcast anything you want to 
plug even well all i want to say is i want to see moon knight beat the crap out of a bunch of guys that's literally all i could ever ask for from the series have moon knight go on like some sort of rampage against mummies or something i don't know that's probably where they're going that's that's what i want to see uh other than that i'm totally cool with seeing steven a bit more and uh, uh in terms of plugging i will say that uh the new composing culture is coming along and i'm actually very excited for people to hear it i think they're going to be even more excited by the time i get to anything else marvel related because my next uh series or rather episode after i'm done with marvel phase four is also related to a knight figure so i gave a little Ooh. musical hint there Ooh. Uh, that's that's all i'm gonna say for now that's all I'm going to say for now. But yeah, Moon Knight, please just give me a scene of Moon Knight going crazy. That's all I want. He is too cool of a suit not to give us that. So, I mean, got to give them what the people want. We need to see that. And next week, Warlock Times, Multiverse of Marvel. We'll be back for another episode of Night Fever breaking down Moon Knight. I actually won't be hosting next week. You know, next week it will be Giovanni who will be in the hosting chair. And so, you know, it's going to be awesome. So, Tune in to next week, you know, episode five of Moon Knight. It should be bonkers. And I can't wait to listen to Giovanni and the crew break it all down for us. But for more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Boardwalk Times. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.